Sporting Beards, episode number 101. Chase, outside of the Cowboys, how are you doing? You know, there's not a lot outside of the Cowboys right now, <laughs> but I'm doing okay. Uh, it is freezing cold outside. It is. Very cold. Or, or below freezing, actually, is what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so we've had a fire going all weekend, basically. So that's been kind of cool, kind of nice. That was the one thing nice. I was good at this weekend. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, and then uh, before we actually hopped on here, me and Casa were watching the Aaron Hernandez uh, episodes about his whole okay ordeal. So that super crazy, super crazy. Have you have you watched it? I haven't. Um, I just never had too much interest in watching it, but I'll probably get around to it at some point. Dude, it's crazy. It's worth a watch yeah. though. It's worth a watch just to see. Someone with such a high profile, not only that, but like Bill Belichick's obviously in it quite a bit, which we'll talk about him in a little while. Uh, Robert Kraft is in it quite a bit. Uh, Tebow's in it. Urban Meyer's in it. Like just so many people that we know from the sports world and seeing that kind of side of it is crazy. Yeah. um, Aurora watched it when it first when it first came out because she's she's really into like the true crime stuff. Right. Um, so she watched it cause I think it came out, but didn't it come out during the pandemic and like when we were all just like sitting around watching documentaries and something stuff? like that. I want to say, yeah, I think it was 2020. Um, but I don't remember exactly cause I did watch it back then too, but she loves true crime kind of stuff too. And it just popped up on Netflix and I was like, Ooh, and she was like, yeah. And so we, wa- we were watching it again. We didn't quite finish. Yeah. Like, I think man. that was. I, I want to say it came out during a run of, like, her watching a lot of true crime stuff. And, like, I watched some stuff with it, and I kind of got burnt out on true crime stuff. And then that came out, and I was like, I'll get to that eventually. And I just haven't ever gone back to it. I feel you. Um, like, we watched, during that time, we watched, uh, like, all of the the seasons of I Am a Killer. Have you ever watched that? No. That's an interesting one. It's on Netflix. It's okay. uh, It's prisoners that are on death row. And like you're going through their stories okay. and stuff. It's it's pretty interesting. I might have watched I think like that an came episode. out. Or, yeah, I think that came out around the same time. And so by the time it came time to watch the Aaron Hernandez one, I was like, I'm just I'm I'm done for a little bit. Yeah, because it's a lot. It's a lot to to realize what what people can be capable of. It's crazy. Yeah, but I, I do love that stuff. I love like getting in the mind of like if it's gonna be a true crime documentary, I don't want to watch it from the the point of view of the people chasing the bad guy. I yeah. want to get inside the head of the bad guy. Right. I feel you. You know, that's the way I am. That's the way I'm wired. I want to know how they think, how they get to the point that they are. Right. That's what I want to know. Yeah. It's very intriguing. Yeah. But yeah, we've had a, we've had a decent weekend just watching stuff, being lazy. Cause it's so cold. I did actually go and throw, uh, at 9am yesterday morning, <laughs> Uh, with a few guys <laughs> just because we're we're getting real Too close cold. to the the season starting and gunnels has been bugging me about trying to throw and so i was like all right let's do it on sunday morning and then sunday morning happened to be 15 degrees yeah yeah that's too cold that's too cold but no had a good weekend how about you man how you doing uh doing all right uh we went to we went down to houston to my sister's 30th birthday happy happy birthday sis um, her birthday is tomorrow. We had the party uh, party this weekend, and so nice. saw the family, saw my nieces and my sister and her husband, and 
all of them on Saturday, and then we drove back in Sunday morning, um, kind of right before everything started going crazy with the with the weather. The roads were fine and everything. By the time we were coming through there, we got back around like two o'clock or so. Nice. And I didn't work today because it's Martin Luther King Day, and so this morning I got up and made some made us some chili. Ooh. So we've been eating chili today. Um, and other than that, just watching the football, playing some video games. Been been a pretty good pretty good weekend. Nice. Yeah, that actually I, I forgot to mention. Yeah, Casa made some homemade loaded baked potato soup, which was bomb. Cause yeah, like you said, chili soup. It's perfect weather for it right now. Yeah. I do have one thing I want to get off my chest, and that is Spectrum. You need to do better, because, <laughs> like I think I, t- I think I told you, like I basically didn't work on Tuesday because the internet was out all day. Right. Well, it was out until like we had spec. The Spectrum guys came over on Wednesday, and they were here for like six hours. Damn. Working on stuff, replacing things, and and whatnot, and so I, the internet didn't come on until like four thirty, and so I only got to work a couple hours on Wednesday. And then Thursday, I start work, get about an hour and a half in, internet goes down, doesn't come back the rest of the day. Damn. And like, I, and then Friday, I got on, started work, made it about two hours in, internet goes down. Now, that time it did come back about an hour and a half later. But it's but just still. like, come on, man. Just burning through my PTO. Right. Just burning through it. And it's really frustrating. To At least you want got to that. work and not be able to. <laughs> True, but there there could have been a chance that you didn't have PTO, and then you would have been kind of screwed at that point. Yeah, I mean, if this had happened like a couple of months ago, I would have been a real in a real tough spot. Um, I'm actually going to be working like an extra couple hours here and there this upcoming week to save a little bit of my PTO. There you go. Which is annoying because then I'm working longer days. True. But you got to do what you got to do. Right. So Spectrum, do better. <laughs> yes. Now, if we get an angry email from Spectrum, we know that we're we're getting heard. <laughs> I expect an apology, not an angry email. An apology. Well, good. Yeah, I hope we get that. I hope you get that. Man. Uh, all right. So, episode one hundred and one uh, Dalmatians. <laughs> we, um, I I had thought about, and I, I didn't. I forgot to text you, but. I had had the idea of, like, Aurora and Casa, like, hopping on for a minute and, like, asking us questions and doing, like, a Beards 101 kind of thing. <laughs> Got you. But I forgot to text you and see if that was something you'd be into or not. Uh, so we're not doing that, but that would have been fun. <laughs> Beard 101, don't shave. Just, <laughs> just let it keep going. <laughs> that's, that's lesson one. we got to yes. get a whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so... With episode 101, so the number one, what's the first number one that comes to mind? There's a lot of ones. There are a lot of ones. The first number one to come to mind for me is none other than Raphael Fercal. Okay. Uh, big time uh, Braves player. Started playing when he was like 19 years old, I want to say, for the Braves. Had a freaking cannon. Yes, absolute cannon, which is what helped him stay in the game for quite a while because he did not have the best, uh, the best bat, but he was super fast. So super fast with the cannon, that helps you play shortstop, but it helps you get on base a lot. So uh, when I was a kid, we actually got to do uh, nicknames uh, with our jerseys one time. And I was actually, it was the first time I got to be the Atlanta Braves when I was growing up. And I chose to be number one and put for call on my back. 
because I just thought he was a badass. I got to meet him and get his autograph. Like he was awesome. Yeah, I wish that I wish that he played in the Statcast era because I'd really be curious as to know what uh, miles per hour he was he was throwing that ball over to first base because he had a freaking cannon. Yeah, he's one of one of the guys I think about at least on the infield of guys that could just really sling it. You know, it's him. It's it's Carlos Correa. It's O'Neill Cruz. It's you know guys guys like that. Right. Yeah, it would have been nice to see where where he compared to O'Neill Cruz nowadays. Because obviously he's probably got the biggest cannon at short right now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's incredible. Um, another shortstop that was number one, Ozzy Smith was number one. Ooh, the backflip as he as he took the field. Yep. Greatest you know? defensive shortstop of all time. Maybe greatest defensive baseball player of all time. He's in the conversation. Uh, in the NFL, we got a bunch of quarterbacks. We got the older one is Warren Moon, uh, which was one of, one of my grandpa's favorite players because he played for the Oilers. Nice. But more recently, we've got Cam Newton, Kyler yeah, Murray, Jalen Hurts, and Tua are all current number ones. Yeah, Cam Newton was the first one that came to mind uh, as far as football goes, just because that run he had when he took that team to the Super Bowl, he really was like, he, he was Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. He was the one yeah. between Vic and Lamar Jackson, basically. And it, it was insane to see a big guy like that run the way he ran. And he was a pretty good quarterback, too. I mean, yeah, not, I would say I would say Steve McNair, because Vic was a totally different animal. True. That's definitely because he was true. more more speed and less power. Like McNair to Cam Newton to Lamar Jackson, it was just like big boys that can that can get after it. And um, uh, why am I not thinking of his Allen? Josh Allen. Bills. Josh Allen. Jesus Christ. But why was not? There's like four Josh Allens that have played in the in the NFL, <laughs> and I, I couldn't think of the first name. Uh, but he's he's kind of along the same lines too, of just big old boy that can run. Yeah, we'll get into it a little bit, but uh, had a, a huge uh, rushing touchdown today. Yeah, that was a crazy he did. one. He's deceptively fast. Yeah. I don't think they were quite ready for it because they kind of got the wrong angle on that one. Right. Then uh, In the NBA, we've got a few good ones. Devin Booker, Chris Bosh, currently Victor Wimbenyama. Ooh, okay. Is wearing number one. And then my favorite player growing up, Tracy McGrady. Oh, yeah, T-Mac, dude. He was a beast. 13 points in eight seconds. Just, yeah. Like, he always Never looked like he was that. about to fall asleep. On the, <laughs> like, on the court, he, he looked like he was about to fall asleep half the time. <laughs> True. You know, not the most explosive athlete, but just he played his game, and, and you couldn't really stop him when he, whenever he was – when he got going, like, it was just – you were done. <laughs> he he might have been one of the first uh, basketball players where I got his uh, shoe. Yeah? Yeah, he might have been my first basketball player shoe that I got. It was a Tracy McGrady shoe back in the day. That's a good one to get. Yeah. I, Those I love clean. Tracy McGrady. I, I always loved him, even before he came to the Rockets. But, you know, he was he was with the Rockets whenever I was in that sweet spot of being a, a teenager. Oh, yeah. And him, him and Yao Ming. And it just really sucks that they both started breaking down physically right around the time that, that they were really ready to compete for titles with the Rockets. Right. Like there's, there was a year where 
McGrady goes down in the first round, and then they win the playoff series, and then Yao goes down in the second round. And I fully believe that they would have that they would have had a shot at winning it all that year if they had stayed healthy. I think it was 08. I think it was the year that they had won 20-something straight games. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but they, they just couldn't stay healthy, those two. Yeah, dude. And see, back then for me, when Tracy McGrady was really – I know – You'd say he was kind of still in his prime at that point, but when he was a little bit before that, when he was like really getting on the scene, I remember I was still in Georgia at the time, and the Hawks weren't anything. So my love for basketball was just really good players, and I'm pretty sure I had a Tracy McGrady poster on my wall. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Orlando's not that far from from Atlanta, not True. really, right? When it comes to teams, right? <laughs> as far as titles go. 2001 one of my first favorite non-astros teams that i can remember in my lifetime the arizona diamondbacks 2001 over the yankees in seven kurt schilling randy johnson tony womack steve finley uh, uh, Luis gonzalez i was gonna say Luis gonzalez yeah dude mark grace over at first base and I'm pretty sure that was the year for like the All Star ads that everybody was like superheroes from comic books. I, I think can just, so. I can just picture Luis Gonzalez as like a superhero and <laughs> some guys like that. That's that's one of the first World Series teams that that I can I can look back in my mind's eye and see the plays without having to watch highlights, and I can see the players and and know the players. Even more so with the with the team for next week, the Angels. I, know I was going to say that too. <laughs> yeah, but the Rally Monkey. Like I can, I can pretty much, I can name just about every player on the 2002 Angels. Like I can get like halfway with the Diamondbacks. Like I was looking back over the roster today, and I was like, okay, there's not quite as many of them. I think that I remember that I thought that I would. One that always sticks out is Byung Hun Kim. Oh yeah, their their closer. Like he's just he's fun. <laughs> yep. You know you don't. It's a little more common now having Asian Asian players playing in the big leagues, but it was a novelty. Not novelty, but it, it was something you didn't see a lot, especially with pitchers back then. And the way that the way that he throw would throw the ball, and yeah, it was it was fun. I, I love that team. Uh, then we have the 2001 Super Bowl was the Patriots over the Rams, um, the first of the Tom Brady Super Bowls, the one of the greatest upsets. At the time in Super Bowl history, great show on turf on the other side. Right after winning the Super Bowl, yeah, and, and that was that's a great, great Super Bowl too because mm-hmm. Patriots were up seventeen to three at, at at halftime. Rams come all the way back to tie it, and then the Patriots go down the field, and the legend of Adam Vinatieri starts. Right. Oh man. Uh, the Lakers beat the Sixers in the two thousand and one NBA Finals, and what. And that was in five games. And what and what's so impressive about it being five games is the Lakers had not lost a playoff game until game one of the the finals. And Allen Iverson just goes crazy. That was the game where he steps over uh, Tyron Lue. Lue. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I think I actually had AI's shoe before McGrady. You think so? I think about it. Yeah, because AI's were popular, man. AI's always the answer. <laughs> it is. Practice? <laughs> we talking about practice? Uh, that's that's another one of my favorite players growing up. I I love I Agreed. loved uh, Iverson. I loved T Mac. I I loved Kobe. Uh, Kobe, I think, is overall my favorite basketball player of all time. 
but growing up, I was more, I was more, as a kid, I think I was more McGrady than, than Kobe. But over time, like, I just fell in love with Kobe as a player. Iverson just with the handles, man. Oh, those yeah. handles he had were insane. I think the only player nowadays that could compare with, with him as far as, as his handle is probably Kyrie. Ooh, that's a good, yeah. I'd say that's a good one. Like, I don't know, I don't know anybody else. Like, prime Iverson, I don't know if anybody else today could touch him with handles. I don't think so either. I'm with you there. Like, may, like Steph has a pretty tight handle, but I, it's not the same. It's not the same. He's not juking people out of their shoes. He's just so fast and so quick that, like, yes. he just gets around people. But AI was doing stuff with the ball to right. get people to fall on their ass. <laughs> yeah, Curry might be the quickest player in NBA history. True. But Iverson just, he had those on-ball handles that uh, you, just, you can't teach. It's just natural. Well, and he was having to go up against people like, like prime Lakers, Shaq and Kobe, like having to go up against guys like that, and he was still able to do it. So Yeah, and he's, I mean, if we're being real, he's, he's not even six foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was always listed at six one, but he wasn't six foot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, which just makes it more impressive. Like it does. Yeah, it's just crazy. And then two thousand and one in college football was University of Miami, and that is one of those teams that's always mentioned when you start talking about the greatest college football teams of all time. Two thousand and one Hurricanes always are top three on the list at worst usually they're number one maybe number two um i did some digging on that team go ahead i was just gonna say is that the miami ohio state like double overtime or like that's the next year okay okay that's that's the next year um but i did some digging on that 2001 miami team um there were 38 players on that team that would go on to get drafted not that next year but like total eventually yeah that's eventually get drafted that's insane their running back room, this is insane. Ricky Williams was one of them, right? No, Ricky Williams was a Texas boy. Oh, I always, because he was a Dolphin. I always do yeah. that. Um, so the 2001 Miami Hurricanes had Willis McGahee on Willis their McGahee, roster. Willis McGahee, that's they, who it was. They yeah. had Clinton Portis on that team. Jeez. They had Najee Davenport on that team. Uh, Davenport, I think, was the, he was just kind of a specialist, or well, the fourth running back on that team was Frank Gore. Uh, if you hear, uh, he actually just scored again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But yeah, Andre Johnson was on that team. Ed Reed was on that team. Jonathan Vilma was on that team. Damn, that's insane. Uh, didn't didn't Jer- Frank Gore tear both his knees at Miami? Maybe. I don't remember if he did. Probably. Because I, I know he did messes knees up a couple of times uh willis mcgahee also or was it portis one of mcgahee or portis i think it was mcgahee uh tore his acl in the championship game and wh- who would have thought that uh frank gore ended up being the longest the, tenured yeah. <laughs> running back of, of that room that's crazy uh some other guys that were on that team jeremy shockey was on that team Ooh, man and that's a throwback kellen winslow jr was on that team too damn so they had two like top level NFL tight end guys on that team. Damn. Um, they had of the of the 38 picks that eventually guys that eventually got drafted, 
Uh, 17 of them were in the first round, were first round picks. <laughs> the U. <laughs> like, the U, man. That team That's is insane. unbelievably stacked. Oh, uh, Vince Wilfork was also on that team, by the way. Damn. Sean Taylor was on that team. They're, that team's safeties, their two starting safeties, were Ed Reed and Sean Taylor. <laughs> uh, no wonder they went to back-to-back natties. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just insane how, that how is talented insane. that roster is. And I remember, like especially like with being in Georgia, you saw a lot of orange and green because of how good that team was and kids growing up and thinking they wanted to be a Miami Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. That was – and that next year, the 2002, that was really the last great Miami team. Like, it, it fell off pretty quickly after that. Like, they moved to the it ACC did. in 2004, and they've, they've never won an ACC title. Damn. And that's just three years after this that they moved to the ACC. See, and just because of that dominant run and how good they were, I guess, because I didn't even really realize who all was on that team, but how good they were – for some reason, I always think of Miami being a good school for football, and it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean they've they've been you know a, a team that occasionally might win ten games, and but more more often than not, they're they're an eight win team for the last twenty years. Basically, it's kind of crazy, especially after. I mean they were they were great in the seventies, they were great in the eighties, they were great in the nineties, and they were great in the two thousands, early two thousands, and then it just and all just fell off. All just fell apart on them and that was through multiple different coaches it's not like they had you know a a Bobby Bowden that they had to replace or uh you know a Joe Paterno that was there for 40 years and and winning winning all the time and then they had to replace him and and got it wrong that I mean there's multiple coaches that won national titles at Miami Jimmy Johnson right Jimmy Johnson uh Howard Schnellenberger um uh Erickson was his first I, I can't I'd love to be able name. to help you, but Jimmy Johnson was what all I had for that <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, his last name with it was Erickson. He was also a coach in the NFL at certain points. I, I can't remember his first name, though. And then Butch gotcha. Davis. Oh, okay. I remember that name. So the, they all And they all won titles at Miami. Jeez. Dennis. Dennis Erickson. I, I knew I'd get that. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Anyway, that's the, uh, that's the titles for 2001. 2001. Let's talk about what just happened in college football first. Okay. Because that'll also help us transition into NFL because we've had two of the best coaches of our of all time, definitely our lifetime, but pos- arguably of all time. Um, one retired and one is no longer with their team, but we'll start with uh, the college one. That's Nick Saban retiring seamlessly out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, unquestionably, I don't know that you'll find anybody that will argue against it. Nick Saban is the greatest coach in the history of college football. Yeah, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, there's some people that you can put in the same category, but I think he takes the cake as the number one. Seven seven national championships, most all time. Six in the last 17 years at Alabama. They you know, even lost a couple of times in the national championship game. I mean, it, almost every year that he was at Alabama, aside from the first one and, like, last year, you either had Alabama win the title or they lost to the team that won the title. Yep. One of the, uh, one of the craziest stats that I saw about him um, since he retired was that any player that he had play for him for four years – 
won a title. At Alabama, yeah. Yeah, at Alabama, which is absolutely absurd. And I think that actually remains true until you go all the way back to his Michigan State days. Because he won a title at LSU, like, right in the middle of his tenure. Right. And so I think everybody, every player that played for him for four years, even at LSU, won a title. Man. And he, he straight changed the SEC. He did. Because uh, SC, everybody SEC, else had to catch up. Yep, he did. Once he changed LSU, which actually made LSU one of the more dominant programs in the SEC because they weren't beforehand. No, they weren't. And now you think back and, like, there's many years where they were they were top dogs after he went there. And then the way that he changed Alabama is just insane. Yeah, I mean, it's insane LSU, like, like we were talking about with Miami before, each of their last three coaches before Brian Kelly won a national championship at LSU. Saban won a national championship. Um, Les Miles won a national championship. Ed Ogeron won a national championship. And yeah. the way that they have talent, Brian Kelly probably at some point will win a national championship if, if he stays there long enough. Eh, but he, the, the SEC's changing now, but... <laughs> but he absolutely did change change the SEC. Like, if if Nick Saban doesn't do what he does at Alabama... Is Kirby Smart at Georgia? Probably not. Multiple, I think, multiple people. Because I think, I think Mark Rick might still be at Georgia, if if Nick Saban wasn't dominating the SEC the way that the way that he was, and going about things the way that he did. Because Mark Rick is not point. like Mark Rick was was a failure at Georgia. He was 10, 10 wins no. almost every year, and that he was there for a they long time. They just couldn't time. compete with Alabama. He was. And then, and then uh, also Miami coach, which is funny. We we're just talking about Miami. Didn't, yeah, he, he, he did coach at Miami, yeah, for a couple of years. But it, it's a uh, obviously anybody that's not an Alabama fan at this point is somewhat happy and somewhat relieved. But it is also a little sad to see such a great coach, and he's had so many good interview moments and. Uh, another one of my favorites that's been popping up this last week, Bryce Young and Will Anderson lost. He They were done and were free to go from the interview at the end. And he said, no, I want you all to sit back down. And he stuck his neck out for them and said that they did everything that they were supposed to do. Like, that just happens. You, sometimes you can be fully prepared and do everything correctly and still not be successful. And that's just life. And the way that he stood up for his players, it, it's just awesome to see and so yes i'm kind of happy because i'm a georgia fan (laughs) and it's like hell yeah maybe they won't be what they have been for so long but then again it is sad to see a great like that go so all respect to nick saban man you don't have to like nick saban but if you don't respect what he built and what he meant to so many people then i don't know that i can talk to you you know exactly because uh, you're just obviously not paying attention. It's not going to happen, so quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! But they, so the the AD after after Saban retired, he told his players that he'd have a new coach in there within 72 hours, and he actually did. It was like 48 hours later they they, you know, signed Kalen DeBoer from from Washington, who you know, just lost in the national championship game. And right. did you, did you see the, or hear the audio, any of the audio of him talking to his players? Saban? No, no, no. DeBoer. Oh, DeBoer. No, I don't think I did. 
don't. It's it's basically like ten minutes of him saying a bunch of words that that without actually saying anything. It's kind of weird. How I kinda people can do mean. that sometimes. It's just very. It was very odd the way that he was talking about it, and I don't know. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But he goes to Alabama, and Kalen Bohr is he's had success everywhere he's been. He's like 111 and 12 in his his coaching career or something like that. Yeah, I mean, he just took Washington to their first national title game in, in quite some time. So imagine what he can do with the recruiting that Alabama's going to get. Now, they did already have one of their main uh, commits already decommit. Did he? He ended up committing to Texas. Now? Well, it wasn't one of the one of the new commits, but it was their best receiver last year, Isaiah Bond, uh, transferred to Texas. So there is going to be some fall off, but they're still going to be able to recruit. It's still Alabama. Yeah, so... there, there's some questions about how good of a recruiter Kalen DeBoer is because at Washington they were like kind of in the 30s recruiting wise. When before they have been like a top 25 recruiter. And his recruiting classes have kind of been in the 30s. So there's some question about how good of a recruiter he's going to be. He also doesn't have any any ties to the South. But he's still got Nick Saban's going to be there and around the program. And they're, they're going to keep some guys from the, the Alabama staff that do know how to recruit the South. They're, they're not going to be, you know, one or two every year like they have been for the last decade plus under Saban. Because nobody recruits like Saban does. Except, right. for, except for Kirby Smart he's getting up there and he learned from Saban. So, and, yeah. and you, you got to bet your ass that, you know, Saban wouldn't let Alabama hire somebody without a little bit of his say on the line too. So I bet you he, he will help DeBoer recruit and try to keep Alabama in, in the, their skin in the game as much as he can. So, yeah. And then for Washington, they go out and get Jed fish from Arizona who turned Arizona from, absolute nothing into a top 15 team this year and he's got a lot of work to do in Washington because I read that 18 of their starters on offense and defense are either going to the NFL or have already entered the transfer portal damn 18 starters from the national championship game including of course Michael Penix and both of the really good receivers and like four-fifths of the offensive line the starting running back like it's it's a lot. <laughs> that is tough. I'm kind of sad that you missed a, a chance there. You, you could have said they reeled in. Oh, Jed Fish. Fish, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's okay. We got it in there. Yeah, that's the important part. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just happy that that uh, that Steve Sarkeesian realizes that Texas, that Alabama without Nick Saban is not even a is not a better job than Texas. And so he should just stay where he's at. Well, currently, with what he's done with the program, and apparently there were rumors that he was offered uh, something from Alabama and and declined. To to know if that's true or not, none of us are ever going to know. Yeah. But I also respect that in a way that, like, yeah, dude, you've got a lot going for you in Texas right now, and nobody can argue that you've been turning that program back into what they have been in the past. So why not stick through what you've been working on? So. I know you're happy about it for sure. Yeah. Did you did you see the video from the Oregon video with Dan Lanning saying that he I don't was think staying I did. saying that he was staying at at Oregon? I don't think so. So like there were reports Wednesday night after after Saban retired, there were there were erroneous reports that 
that erroneous <laughs> that Dan Lanning was in was in Tuscaloosa. He wasn't. He was at he was at home in Eugene watching a movie with his kids, and I guess like he got word that that you know what was happening and that that he was being you know in reports as to going to be taking the Alabama job, and so they put out a they put out a video of like talking about like you finish you finish what you st- what you start and that if you're if your coach is leaving then come play here cuz I ain't going nowhere and they he ended okay. he ended the video they at the very end of the video he's just like chilling in his house with a cigar <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> It's great. You should check out the video. It's it's a good watch. It's only like a minute long. <clears throat> okay. But that's what's been going on in college. Yep, so on the NFL side of things, we have Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots agree to part ways. Yep. Which has been rumored for a little bit now. We even discussed it a little bit on the on the pod. I don't remember if it was last week or the week last before. Last week, I think. Um, but still, still crazy to see the end of an era in New England. Um, obviously, his worst season basically since he got there this year. And I just felt like they had gotten to the point where they had built so much around Brady that they tried to just get the same kind of quarterback in a way and try to keep building in that same way. And it, Mac Jones isn't quite Tom Brady. And so that didn't quite work out. And it's just – it's crazy. He's 15 wins behind the most all-time, Don Shula. And so it's like, where would he go? I mean, obviously if you want to win now – you could have a possible opening in our hometown. We'll see. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, the Chargers. The Chargers have a lot of talent. They just couldn't. They weren't very well coached. Um, Which apparently uh, Jim Harbaugh was meeting with the Chargers today. I think. Yep. So th- there's actually a lot of hot names on the market right now. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening. But man, the end of an era in New England. Bill Belichick. Best to ever do it, the way he turned that program around. And it's crazy to think that him and Saban were on the same coaching staff in Cleveland and could never quite get it done. But yeah. You want to know something super crazy? So in, I think it was 1978, Pete Carroll was coaching at uh, Ohio State as a secondary coach. And Pete Carroll got hired by Monty Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's dad, former defensive coordinator all over the NFL. He was hired by Monty Kiffin to go co- co- be a defensive coordinator. You know who it was that replaced um, Pete Carroll at as Ohio State's secondary coach? Nick Saban. Damn, it's just all coming full circle right now. We're, we're losing a lot of greats that, that all work together at one point or another, which is crazy. Yeah. Which also proves that, I mean, when you learn from others – and you try to take one little thing from each person that you work with, you end up. It, you can't all do. You can't ever do it all by yourself. You no. gotta. You gotta have different pieces from everybody that you end up uh, interacting with over the years. And but man, it, it kind of feels good. It's almost very similar to Alabama because the Patriots have been the best team of of our lifetime. Um, they were a straight up dynasty. <laughs> no, no way around it. And to see. That era basically ending is just like, whew. so hopefully we don't have to worry about the Patriots for a little while again. And because the other teams in that division are, are on the up. And so 
It's a kind of a relief. Again, one of those things you don't have to like him. Although Belichick also had some really great interview moments and and moments throughout his career. But he, you don't have to like him, but you got to respect him. The sleeveless hoodie, all the stuff that goes around Bill Belichick is just insane. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that the <clears throat> the Patriots job was the last one so far to come open, and it was also the first one to get filled. True, that uh, is kind of crazy. Apparently, it was in it was in Jared Jared Mayo. Is that the the name? Yeah, I think I've heard somebody pronounce it Gerard Mayo, but that that's possible. Yeah. He was a linebacker for the Patriots uh, back in the day, but he apparently was. it was it was like worked into his contract that he would be the successor to Belichick. So once Belichick oh, parted, okay. um, he just became the head coach essentially. At least that's that's what I heard. I don't know that that's true, but that that's what I had heard is that it was it was put into his contract that he would be the successor. Man, I'm I'm sad because now I thought I had this saved, but I don't I can't find it. But apparently, Bill Belichick has now coached. Uh, I think it was like six former players that ended up becoming head coaches or assistant coaches in the NFL now, <laughs> which is crazy. But again, goes back to that same thing. You can't do it by yourself. You got to learn from the best at some point, and they all did. So, yeah, man. one one that that recently got fired, but probably will be a head coach next season in the NFL. Mike Vrabel. Oh yeah, yeah. He's one of the hottest names right now in the coaching carousel. I mean, I don't understand how they ended up firing him this year when it's not his fault. His, his starting quarterback at the beginning of the year gets hurt which makes it so much harder. But I, I guess that does end up being the coach's job then to kind of figure that out. But then you try and start this rookie, starts off super hot with four touchdowns in his rookie start, and then kind of just fades, and then he gets hurt, and they end up having to go back to the original starter. And it was it was just a mess uh, yeah. in Tennessee this year. And so I don't see how you can put the blame on Mike Vrabel in this situation, but I definitely think he will be – I think he'll be a coach somewhere else within like a couple weeks. I yeah, I, I feel like the like the uh, the Titans basically are just going to go f- clean slate and kind of hit the reset button on everything. And you know, there's no sense in keeping Mike Vrabel around for that. I guess I guess that's one way to look at it. But man, he he was a hell of a head coach in my opinion while he was at Tennessee. Yeah, he'll get another job this in this cycle. I, I am pretty confident of that. Agreed. Um, what did you did you see the? It just happened today, but did you see the Mike Tomlin thing? Uh huh. So he was at his press conference after the game, and they were going to do one more question, and the lady asking the question is like, <laughs> "So, Mike, you have one year left on your on your deal," and he walks out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, doesn't say anything, just walks out of the room. Which I, I get it. I everybody, mean, everybody's been asking him about it all the time. I'm sure he's tired of it, and he's like, you know what? Fuck this. Just <laughs> is that a sign of him not finishing that last year on his contract? I don't think so. That's not really the way the Steelers do things. True. They've only had three head coaches in their history. Well, not in the last. 50 years basically but they they had more coaches before chuck knoll but since chuck knoll it's only okay three. i then i misheard that because i thought it was straight up like 
60 years, they've had three different head coaches, and that's about it. Well, I mean, that part is true, because Chuck Knoll came in in the early 60s, I think, mid-60s, and was their coach until until Bill Cowher took over. And then so Tom since Moore it's been the NFL. Basically, yeah. But I, th- I think, okay. if I'm not mistaken, they had a coach or two um, before – Chuck Knoll. Damn, did you just see what happened? It was a safety, right? Yeah. So we're about to get into the playoffs here in a second, but we're watching Tampa Bay hosting Philly, and it was a seven-point game in the third quarter, late in the third, and Tampa Bay just got a safety to go up by nine. Ooh, this would make me feel so okay, much Okay, so the Steelers better. had 13 coaches before Chuck Knoll. Oh, damn, Okay. Uh, but couple, still, since the 60s, essentially, they've only had three head coaches. Yeah, because the Steelers have been around since the 30s, and there's a lot of guys that it's like one or two years, and then Chuck Knoll comes in in 69 and coaches to 91. So since 1969, they've only had three. Since we landed on the moon. Yes. <laughs> That's insane. But no, I, I don't see Mike Tomlin being done. I mean, he 17 straight uh, – not losing seasons because he had a couple eight and eights in there, um, so technically not a winning season. But he didn't have a losing. He has not. He's never had a losing season as a head coach, which is ridiculous. Yeah, he's got two. He's got two eight and eight, three eight and eights. But it, it really is insane, especially when you consider the the fact that they have changed quarterbacks in there. They had a season right. where Roethlisberger was hurt for the whole season. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's impressive and. That's just not the the Steelers just don't do business that way. Yeah. Now, would it be best for the franchise? Because it it kind of feels like Tomlin's a good enough coach that even if they don't have a playoff roster, he's he's still gonna find a way to to have a winning season. So like it might be best for the franchise to have a bad year and he might be right. too good of a coach to let that happen. <laughs> so Yeah, they've never had a chance to really rebuild. Yeah. Because they are always ending up with the bottom half draft pick. <laughs> so it might be best long term, but, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think so either. All right. Well, I guess we should get into the games. Yeah. We don't have to talk too should much about the Texans and, and Browns. That was an ass kicking. <laughs> yeah, which was, I mean, at first it was like, I think it was like a 10-point game. At, at one point, 24 to 14. Oh, <gasps> Oh no! Jalen Hurts just threw a pick six, or no? No, it wasn't a no, pick no, no, six. No, no. It was a, it was a fifty-six oh, right. yard touchdown. Yeah, after the safety, for some reason, I was thinking it was about to be the Eagles' ball, but no, fifty-six yard touchdown right after the safety. Oh man, this would make me feel so much better, so much better. Anyways, <laughs> uh, no, C.J. Stroud. I mean. With what all happened this weekend, I might just go ahead and agree with you now. CJ Stroud's the best rookie quarterback of all time. <laughs> uh, forget that guy that I was talking about last week. He, he certainly uh, put on a show on Saturday. Oh, he put on a hell of a show on Saturday. And, man, these, these Texans could actually do something. They could actually do it. We'll see. The, the Browns shouldn't have been where they were no. with all the injuries they've had this year. Um, especially like we talked about last week, starting a guy that was literally on his couch at the beginning of the season. Uh, Halfway through so, the season. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was 24-14 to 14 at one point, though, and then the Texans just annihilated them. Two pick sixes. and Yeah, that certainly helps. Yeah. They, uh, 
they end up demolishing them 45 to 14. And then we had the freezing cold negative four uh, <laughs> at Kansas City with between the Dolphins and Chiefs. Real feel of negative a million. Yes, exactly. And uh, you said you didn't get to watch much of it, but you did uh, let me use your peacock, so thank you. That sounded kind of funny. Let's not let that be out of context. You can always use um, my, my peacock. um but so i did get to watch uh, some of that and it was it was a fun game kind of boring at times um the funnest part was just seeing how cold it was right and everybody having to deal with it from what i saw of the game and again i didn't get to watch the whole thing because i was at a party but it kind of looked like the score made it look a lot closer than than it was in actuality Definitely. It just felt like the, the Chiefs were basically just playing keep away. They didn't really have to do much because one thing that I, I've heard brought up um, recently, Tua is Tongan, so he's from Hawaii. He played college football in Alabama. He is now on the Miami Dolphins. He is not a cold-weather guy. Yeah, he doesn't have much experience in the cold. And And the play calling actually proved that. They were not asking him to... to release his arm very much like he was not going deep at all when that was your number one thing that you had this season was deep threats with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and they weren't able to do that at all they did get one somewhat deep play to Tyreek where he ends up making a guy miss and that's how they score their only touchdown but it just you could just tell the Chiefs have been there they've played in the cold they haven't had an away playoff game in Patrick Mahomes career besides Super Bowls um so it it was just a dominant game by Kansas City. And it also makes you really think, like, is Patrick Mahomes really going to fuck around and win another one with this team he has right now? He's the one guy that I just would not ever want to face. I don't care True. who he's throwing to. I don't care who's on the offensive line. I don't care what his defense looks like. I don't want to face that guy. Yeah. And, I mean, and the crazy thing was his best receiving threat, well, Rasheed Rice ended up being his best receiving threat this weekend, and he's actually developing into that. Uh, had over 100 receiving yards uh, and a touchdown. But Travis Kelsey, normally his number one receiving threat, had some wide-open drops because it, it was freezing cold, and it, it's going to affect you even if you're used to it anyways. But he had a couple wide-open drops, and imagine how different the game would have been if he didn't. Right. So, so yeah, Kansas City beats down Miami – and it'll be interesting to see what Miami does this offseason because they were a lot like uh, the Cowboys in a lot of ways where they could beat the bad teams, but they just could not get over the hump against the good teams. Yeah, beat the bad teams and run up the score on the bad teams. Right, 70-20 to 20 against Denver. <laughs> that was ridiculous. But then I feel like I've actually done a pretty good job so far this episode of hiding my, my sadness. We we experienced one of the worst playoff losses in history. Uh, I'm I'm gonna just go ahead and go out there and say that at least in Cowboys history for sure. It was bad. It was so 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 bad. I mean, they got ran over by a truck. Yeah, the the score makes it look like it wasn't as bad as it actually was, but that's because they didn't even have their starters in in the fourth quarter because they didn't have to. Green Bay has our number, and as far as I know right now, they always will. I 
I even told you, I hope we don't get Green Bay. Last week, I got a little cocky with it and said, I don't care who comes to town. We're undefeated at home. Well, I'm eating my words. We looked awful. Uh, when when Dak got to play Aaron Rodgers at home, uh, 2016, when we were the one seed, his his great rookie season that I was talking about last week, we go down by 14 touch or 14 to nothing. 14 touchdowns felt like it this week. Uh, <laughs> we go down 14 to nothing in that one, and we could just never. We got close, but we could just getting into that hole. It, it felt unsurmountable, and then this week. Getting down at one point twenty to nothing, at another point twenty-seven to nothing, it just literally felt like we, we're. This is just it. This is it, and it ended up being it. We could not do anything. Uh, what blew my mind? I mean, the offense struggled to start. They ended up scoring over thirty points. So the offense finally kind of found it in the second half, but the defense could not stop Green Bay. They couldn't. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit, exactly. And it was very frustrating. It seemed like they just kept playing zone coverage and giving up wide open uh, receivers and, and letting Jordan Love just have a heyday. Perfect passer rating. When the when the Cowboys were on defense, it looked like when you watch a college game early in the season and you've got an Alabama or somebody like that playing against Kent State or somebody like that. That's what it looked like. Yeah. It literally was like how there were a couple times even that it was man coverage and they threw to a wide open receiver. And especially now in the first half, I'm going to give them give them a little bit of, okay that can happen. But once you have halftime and you go into the the second half, especially after scoring a touchdown on the last drive and then you're going to get the ball back uh, and at the beginning of the second half. You've got to make some adjustments on defense, and it seemed like they did not make any adjustments. They kept trying the same things that they were trying in the first half that didn't work, and then they wouldn't stack the box. They wouldn't try and stop Aaron Jones and make them pass when it really didn't even matter, in my opinion. They were they could have done anything. They could do anything on offense, and we had no answers. Yep. And it was embarrassing. The most embarrassing football game I've ever watched as a Cowboys fan the most embarrassing way to end one of the best seasons that we've had as a team in in quite some time now and i'm i'm sad i'm i feel like that's the worst game that i've seen as a cowboys fan and to go out like that it's just it's embarrassing it's extremely embarrassing i don't know how i'm supposed to try and defend dak to anybody at this point i don't know how i'm supposed to try and defend anybody on that team C.D. Lamb was the only bright spot on the field for the Cowboys. And even then, he had some questionable plays where it was like, yeah, maybe it was a little thrown behind you, but you're supposed to be this number one receiver. Maybe you should have tried to make an adjustment and make that happen. Like There were even times where he even struggled. So it was just all around, flat out, embarrassing. It was bad. It was very bad. And just watching the game, like I, I checked out early second quarter because I'm just like this this is not going to change this this game it's already over I really wanted to and looking back I obviously should have but my stupid ass self was like no I mean this is one of the best offenses in the NFL this is against one of the younger teams the second half could be the complete opposite where we dominate and the Packers don't but then it just kept going and kept going I mean I kept kept the game on I didn't I did end up actually stop watching before the end of the game for the first time in a long time. Yeah. I kept the game on, but I was playing video games. Like it was just 
there and I just kind of glance over and, oh, there's another 15-yard Packers run. Um, is I have this, two TVs, and I it, turned I turned it <laughs> off and, and let Jason play Minecraft on one while we watched just a, a movie or whatever. On right. Uh, was that Mike McCarthy's last game as a Cowboy? <sighs> I mean, if you look at what he's done since he's been here in a in a in a bottle in a vacuum no but when you look at our our history as the Dallas Cowboys since 95 yeah he has to be gone we we need to bring someone in that can win in the postseason i don't care what i don't care if you can win 36 games in 3 years in a regular season that doesn't mean shit cuz this year we couldn't beat a good team we, we couldn't do it. We've seen this this season, this this season that we just had. We've seen that three times in a row. Yeah. At some point, you got to stop watching the same movie. Yeah, and it, it even happened against the Cardinals with Josh Dobbs as their quarterback. Now that was early in the season, but still, like the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We got to bring somebody else in that can win in the playoffs. I know he's been able to do it before with another team. He hasn't been able to do it with this team. With the talent that we had, with the the road that we had to make it to the Super Bowl this year, we had the easiest road we've ever had. Now, yeah, we were the one seed back in 2016, but we were the two seed this year to get two guaranteed home games and to not have to face San Francisco, our boogeyman, and we couldn't even beat the Packers, who were the seven seed, the first seven seed to ever win a playoff game. Mind you, uh, I know they only uh, introduced it in 2020, but still, the first seven seed to win, and they did it in our house. And one of the things that I hated to see, but it's definitely true, Jordan Love came in and showed Dak how to play on a on a big stage in his own house in his technically first year as a quarterback for the Packers, and that's just embarrassing. It's insane that I I literally. There was not a single ounce of me that thought we would be sitting here talking about this right now. I was like, there's no way they can lose to this, this team this weekend. And they did. I'm just sad. I'm really sad. I am. D- do some of the Texas Ranger highlights help me? Yeah, they help me a little bit. Will the Eagles losing tonight help me? Yeah, that'll help me a little bit. But it's still not going to help me forget. And like, It just makes you feel all of the pain that they've caused over the last 20 years. All over again. Are you are you ready for Cowboys coach Bill Belichick? Because I think that's where this is heading. <sighs> Do I think that's the answer? I don't know. But think, I'll take it. I think that's where this is going. I think that's what Jerry's going to end up doing. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. Because really, I'm not sure if I do see anybody else that could. Mike Vrabel is a great coach. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy to turn this around finally. I, I just don't, I don't know. Because Dan Quinn's gone. He's going to Seattle most likely. It just shit. Hire me as head coach at this point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> with what we've been doing, why not? So, no, nah, I'm just man. And I was so sad that I ended up missing the best, arguably the best game of the weekend, with the Rams and the Lions. Apparently, the refs did end up getting involved towards the end, but I didn't. I couldn't even watch. I couldn't even watch. I was that. I was like, I cannot believe that they lost that fucking game. Yeah. Well. Lions-Rams was a good game. It was a fun game. Um, yeah, I mean, the refs. The refs are going to do what the refs are going to do, but the Rams had plenty of opportunities to, to win the game anyway. And I don't know. I'm happy for Detroit. Like <laughs> Me too. First playoff win in 32 years. Dan Campbell has been one of the most genuine coaches 
in the NFL since he's become a head coach. So it's kind of nice to see. Yeah, and now they'll get to host a second playoff game since the Cowboys lost. Yeah. They'll face, <sighs> and it's looking like that, that team that they're going to face is going to be the Buccaneers. So <laughs> we might be looking at the Lions being in the conference championship game this year. Yeah. Which I don't think anybody – I think we all thought the, the, the Lions would be improved this year, but I don't think anybody would have would have realistically thought, hey, this is a team that could be a game away from going to the Super Bowl. No, I don't think so. I'm, I agree. I do think everybody thought that they would be better. Um, I'll have to go back and look. I feel like you might have actually picked them to win the division. I went with the Vikings I think I did. again. But uh, we'd have to go back and look at that. But no, definitely. And like you said, but to be honest, with the way Tampa Bay's playing right now, I know Philly's been kind of rough, but to see Baker Mayfield in, in a divisional round game is, is kind of exciting. So who knows how that one would go, to be honest with you. Yeah, I would definitely pick the Lions in that game, though. The, the Eagles are just broken right now. True. And the, the Lions being able to finally get over that hump, that's not what's going to be in the back of their mind this time. It's just going to be, let's go play a football game. So I would I would lean Lions in that situation too. But I think it could be a lot better of a game than anybody thought. <laughs> At least like before the season this year. Right. Especially yeah, nobody thought the Bucks would be here. Nobody. Right. Nope. So next week we've got some interesting games. We've got Texans and Ravens, which those two teams played earlier this season and it was a pretty competitive game. Right. That was kind of one of those games where we kinda of peaked up about the Texans, like, oh, okay. All right, Texans. And with the injuries that Baltimore's kind of dealt with, it's almost like kind of even matched when it comes to talent on both sides of the ball. So I think that's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I think it'll be close. I'd still pick the Ravens, but I think it'll be close. I think I'd still lean the Ravens too. When you've got Lamar Jackson over there, who's who's got more experience than C.J. Stroud, then I, I think I would lean that way. But And then we've got Packers 49ers, which should be fun. I do think the 49ers will kind of kill them yeah but i honestly thought that uh thought the cowboys should should kill them and now are the 49ers on a little bit of a different level than the cowboys yes but the way that this packers team is playing the way that they just demoralized the cowboys i think it should be a close spread i don't think it should be an outlandish like touchdown or 10 points or anything i think it should be like a maybe four point spread uh it's a 10 point spread i i honestly think that that's not taking into consideration how the Packers have played for the last nine weeks. They've played their asses off. They have, and that, that young offense has really come together. I, I think that I think it's like 60-40, the Cowboys-Packers thing. I think it's 60% Packers playing really well and 40% the Cowboys just shitting the bed. Fair. And as you said, the, the 49ers are not the Cowboys. For one, they, they have won playoff games. You know, they have, they don't have the history with the Packers that a lot of these Cowboys players have of losing to them. Even though none of the guys on this Packers team really were a part of those Packers teams that were beating the Cowboys, there's just, sometimes there's that one team that you look across and it's like, not these guys again. Not those green helmets again. And we've got that with two teams right now. The Packers and the Niners. God damn. Uh, but so, I agree. And then the other matchup that we know for sure is Chiefs-Bills. Again, that's our yearly tradition. 
I'm actually excited that that's happening again, especially with the way that the last game went uh, this regular season with the whole controversy of, well, not really controversy, with Kadarius Toney starting offsides. <laughs> I mean, there's no arguing that he was offsides. Um, but I would like, I, I'm really excited to see that game actually happen in Buffalo. Yeah. Because uh, the last the last uh, playoff matches between them have all been in Kansas City. So, well, uh, they'll get to. It's still gonna be cold. Like you said, but both early, teams. Right. Like you said earlier, it's Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game, like true road playoff game. Yep. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be the Sunday night game. Yeah. For for those we didn't actually mention it, but. Um, before this game, the Bills did end up beating the Steelers, uh, what was it, 27-14? Yeah, and it really wasn't even that close. Yeah, or 31-17, something like It was a 14-point game. Yeah, it was two touchdowns, but it it never, not for a single second did you think the Steelers had any chance of winning the game. No, definitely. And that's how a 2-7 matchup should be. Yes. So, man. Right now we got nine minutes left in this game, though. But the Bucks have the ball up sixteen, up twenty-five to nine. Yeah, ah, that'll make me feel better. That'll help a little bit. Yeah, the Eagles have looked pretty bad in this game. Not, they have. I don't know if you could say they look quite as bad as the Cowboys, but it's definitely bad not. Too. Yeah, no. At this point, I wish we played Tampa Bay, which, <laughs> like we've we both talked about, you've got to be careful who you want to play. You just want to just go out there and play a good football game. And yeah, the, the Cowboys had the most embarrassing performance of the playoffs so far. Yeah, but all right, you uh, you got anything else we need to get thrown in here? I forgot to mention at the beginning that Friday was my first league bowling night. Nice. And I had a 600 series, two 200 games, and that felt great. That was awesome. I was excited. Now, will that stay like that? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but it's a good start. Hey, if you do it once, you can do it again. That's true. Uh, I believe in you. Well, thank you. That's all I got. Now I'm going to go drink for the rest of the week. Well, not too much, because we do still have to work this week. Do we? And Well, I mean, unless Spectrum, for me, just, like, shits the bed again. Well, see, that's the kind of the worst part about it being so damn cold and stuff. Like, if the Cowboys won, I'd be like, eh, fuck it, yeah, let's go to work. No, the Cowboys lost, and I'm like, I could go to fucking work, and it's 18 degrees outside. This is shitty. But here we are. Yeah. Luckily for me, I never got invested in this Cowboys team. I'm jealous. I'm a little jealous. It is what it is. All right. Well, everybody have a good week. Things are going to be looking up, Chase. You're going to be fine. Okay. Yeah, Mavericks have looked okay. Kyrie did good last night. Or today. <laughs> Some point. Thanks for listening, man. Beards out. Beards out.